0: We should not be in the business of of determining if our pain is legitimate enough to go get some help for that, that the question we ought to be asking ourselves is not, is this, is this bad enough to get some help for? The question is, do I like this and do I like the way that my life is going? Do I like the way that I feel? And if the answers to any of those questions are, are, I don't like them, I don't like this, then, then there's something to be done about that.
1: The podcast is called Who Cares About Men's Health? Providing information, inspiration, and motivation to understand and engage in your health so you can feel better today and in the future. My name is Scott Singpil. I am the manager of of thescoperadio.com, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen.
2: I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health.
1: I'm Dr. Andrew
0: Smith. I'm a psychologist and researcher over in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health.
3: I'm Lauren Jepson. I'm a firefighter paramedic with Unified Fire. And I care about men's health.
1: Thank you very much, uh, both Dr. Smith and Lauren for being on the show today. Um, This is um, this is an important episode. I'm a little intimidated on how to handle it and how to handle it well. I'm going to just admit that right up front. So I I hope that we do a good job. Um, We're going to talk about um, understanding if perhaps you have an alcohol consumption problem. Um, Lauren is here to tell us his story about how he came to that realization and the path that he's taken in hopes that perhaps his story will help other men recognize if they have a problem. A lot of times, us as men, we don't recognize we have a problem. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. But before we get into this, Lauren, I wanna say I dropped the microphone off at the fire station. You weren't there, I dropped it off with a coworker. That place is cool. Do you go in there and go, wow, those are some shiny trucks and that's some shiny chrome? Like every day you're walking into my 12 year old childhood dream. <laughs>
3: Yeah, every day I'm walking into my dream too. So um yeah, that's a pretty awesome station. I can't complain at all. We have nice facilities and nice equipment and it's it's a pleasure to work there.
1: Troy, you ever dream of being a firefighter?
2: You know, I haven't dreamt of being a firefighter, <laughs> but I it's one reason I chose emergency medicine, because I get every day to work with firefighters. They're EMTs, they're firefighters. I talk to them. I, You know, we're talking when they transport patients, I see them in the ER. That's one thing I love about the ER is that I get to work with these individuals, and
1: I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to do so. And, Lauren, you're an EMT with the fire department, so explain a little
3: bit what that means. Um, yeah, paramedic, actually. There's a bit of a difference. Okay. But uh, So we have EMTs and paramedics. We're all firefighters. Um. At my station in particular, there's uh, six of us, uh, one engineer that drives a captain, two EMT firefighters, and two paramedic firefighters. And we have uh, a fire engine at my station and an ambulance, and we, re- we respond to anything that comes in 911-wise, whether it's uh, ducks caught in the storm drain to you know, house fires, <laughs> wildfires, <laughs> car accidents, heart attacks, strokes... You name it, drug overdoses. When the tones go off, somebody calls, we we all go.
1: Um, by the way, I, I think I saw the new truck and uh, your coworker showed me where you sat. Uh, I was trying to dig for some dirt. Like, you know, does he, does, how does Lauren manage his gear? I'd imagine that's how, how do you guys bust each other's chops at the fire station? Like, what are some things you would make fun of each other for?
3: Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you name it. I mean, if, if there's a flaw in you, it's going to be found out and exploited.
1: <laughs> What's your flaw? you want to share that? Yeah, what are they, gonna, how do they bust you?
3: <laughs> no, I'm not going to put that yeah. out there. All right. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, I got to say,
2: I, I spent in, in, you know, in my training, spent a lot of time with firefighters and paramedics and EMTs. And yeah, because you guys will do these long shifts, like 48, 72 hours, just hanging out at the station, going out on calls uh, but it does have a little bit of a fraternity feel there. So uh, <laughs> you know, it seems like there's a lot of good natured uh ribbing and uh name calling. A little you know, a little bit of that there. So yeah. yeah, it's it was it was fun to hang out with everyone.
3: Yeah, it's uh I mean it's our home for a third of our lives. So we know each other very, right. very, very well in pretty much every way, uh at home and and it works. So,
1: Doctor Smith, Andrew, um, talk about a little bit of what you do because I think your area of expertise is pretty interesting. You work with guys like Lauren. I really got interested in working in men's issues,
0: in particular, uh, as I was getting out of the out of the military and and kind of loving that environment. Uh, you know, we were you're talking about joking with each other and ribbing each other, and and that's one of the things that that I think most guys most men end up missing that that is enviable about uh the the organizations that firefighters and law enforcement officers get to work in is that is that uh th- those environments tend to draw people who are uh who are interested in running into the fire and running towards the fight and and i think i i find that to be a really a really interesting kind of person and a really uh, uh you know, commendable kind of person and the kind of, the kind of folks who I want to help keep doing
1: that kind of thing. Yeah, Dr. Smith is the founder and director of the <laughs> Occupational Trauma Program. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what that does.
0: We started a couple of years ago, uh, stood up a, a, a therapy, an evidence-based treatment model uh, that is tailored to uh, firefighters, frontline responders, uh, where folks can come in and get in particular the kinds of therapies that we use to help people who are dealing with the kinds of, uh, things that chronic trauma does to people. Cause so, so, so a certain kind of person, uh, selects into being a, uh, an emergency responder. Uh, but that does something to that person, um, to, to be exposed to those kinds of traumas and emergencies all the time. So we intend to, to, uh, help people learn how to manage and, and, and live with those things so that they don't bleed out into other parts of life. Like, uh, like your, like marriages and parenting and, and, and alcohol use and all kinds of other ways that, uh, that, that trauma tends to to bleed out. So we treat trauma um, and mostly with men, because that's the, the large majority of folks who, uh, who enter those agencies, you know, firefighters, law enforcement.
1: However, what we're going to talk about today applies not only to uh, those individuals, but also just regular guys, too, right, that are struggling with maybe drinking too much. And uh, we call it a lot of different things, Uh, blowing off some steam, tossing a few back with the guys. You know, you hear the mantras of work hard, play hard. And we as men have a lot of ways to justify drinking more than we should at times. And it's hard to admit that we have a problem. Um, But recognizing that problem can have great benefits to your health because um, drinking too much has a profound impact, not only on your body, but your mental health. And it also can cause behaviors such as uh, increased suicide rates, driving cars under the influence, sexual assaults, that sort of thing that I would think the sober versions of us would not want to do. So Dr. Smith, what is that line between tossing a few back and drinking too much?
0: Well, there are yeah. That's a good question. Um, and at different, you know, there's the epidemiologist answer to that question, which is no more than X amount of alcohol uh, in a given day, on a given, you know, during a given week, during a given month. And so, um, for example, one, one of the uh, the COVID stress related studies we're doing right now, we're using a a measure um, that determines that if you if a if a male drinks um four or more drinks on a given uh, occasion and that happens once a week or twice a month you end up in in um in different risk categories so uh the the answer to that question is is a little bit complicated but but based on the the literature it would suggest that you know going going over t- Two or three drinks uh, more than once a week is is probably too much.
2: And by it's too much, Andrew, you mean you're you're more at risk of withdrawal, or more at risk of future addiction, or what? What do you see there exactly?
0: Well, you see all kinds of relationship. Alcohol is one of those one of those things that has a diffuse relationship with lots of factors that end up affecting health. So, for the majority of people, that's not going to turn over into a full blown addiction per se. Um, but, but what it does is sort of insidiously starts to work its way into, for example, sleep. Alcohol and sleep have a really famous relationship, um, where your, your, the continuity of your sleep starts to decline. Um, meaning alcohol might help you fall asleep, um, but it's got a famous relationship with waking you up a few times a night, uh, and our ability to go into deep sleep and do things like process stress hormones. So alcohol does a lot of, diffuse things to folks. It can increase lethargy and reduce the likelihood that you're going to go for a run the next day. Um, And it can increase problems with self-regulation, self-control around food, which, um, and and when you start adding sleep problems and self-control around food problems and a little bit um, less energy, then you start moving towards metabolic disease. So I mean the 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 domino effect that alcohol can have when we and and how I talk about it with my patients is like you can drink as much as you feel like you can you can tolerate um uh you know given your goals and what you want to do with your life um but here's what how you can think about it you could think about it as if you expose yourself to the same toxin let's call it a toxin um Repeatedly every single day, or four times a week, or whatever your rate is, um, it's going to start to create systemic changes. No matter what that thing is, and alcohol um, is is what we're talking about today.
2: And Andrew, it's, it's, you're saying just a few drinks a week, so three or three or four. That's where you're seeing seeing these effects. So um,
0: that's that sort of risk threshold that that our instruments tell us about to 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 maybe start to warn people that uh, if they're having sleep, let's say that somebody's having sleep problems or mood problems or relationship problems, that's a piece of low hanging fruit that can be picked. Um, So I I wouldn't raise the alarm at, at, um, at going over three drinks in a single setting in a week um, if it's not affecting other problems. But when it starts to play out in other ways, that's when we start to think, okay, is there something in this system that we can change? Alcohol is usually one of the easy ones.
1: Lauren, when did you realize that um, you had an issue you had to address when it came to your drinking? Was there a moment? <laughs>
3: um, was there a moment? There was probably multiple, not probably, there were plenty of moments that made me realize that there were some things that needed to be fixed, um, but in a lot more ways than than just the alcohol um, I had a lot of a lot of stuff going on and there was there was a, actually an issue at work that made me really kind of have to check myself and that's when I I realized Andrew was an option and I I didn't know that he was an option at our work at the time but I started seeing him and realized through seeing Andrew that there was multiple things that that I needed to fix and, and to be clear alcohol was uh it was a symptom of everything else that I had going on, if that makes sense. Not necessarily the problem, but the symptom of the problem.
0: A, a, a tool to manage the problem.
3: Right.
1: Yeah, not a very good choice of tools, though, right, As I guess. We all have tools to distract ourselves. Hold on for a second, though, Scott. It's, it's an amazingly
0: effective tool.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why we use it, sure.
0: Very, very quickly. Yeah. That provides immediate feedback that uh, that you're you know kind of being being offered a warm hug. So it's it's like it's one of the most immediate forms of short term coping that we can access. And it's socially it happens to be in in many cultures socially acceptable and and uh and and easy to access. So it's a really sensible it's a really sensible strategy to, to managing problems.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, certainly I think Lauren, you and I can certainly relate in terms of a lot of what we see. And, and I don't know if you were responding a lot to what you were experiencing at work or if there were a lot of different factors, but, you know, you, you see so many awful things and, or you just have experiences that stick with you and you just want to forget. And, and Andrew, you know, like you said, it's one of those ways you can you can forget things pretty quickly, and and you can leave work—you know, the whole work hard, play hard kind of thing—and leave it behind, compartmentalized. So it's it's certainly a, an easily accessible coping tool.
0: What what we're doing here is not—we're we're not providing a, or, or at least at least the way that I like to talk about alcohol is not provide sort of a a, a, a judgment of the substance itself. It, it simply exists and it's easy to access. And it makes, we're, we're talking about its function first, which is really how we model, how we discuss it in the clinic as well. Like, of course you would, of course, that's something that you would lean into. Um, so, so we start in the place of agreeing that it has a function. It does something. And, and that's kind of what we're doing here in this conversation too.
2: Yeah, and that makes sense because it's not like, you know, alcohol is not the problem. There are deeper problems. I mean, it sounds like that's your philosophy that you're trying to address, and it's one tool you're using to try and address those things.
0: And it's something that ultimately, if we can agree, because everybody's going to make their own choice on this who walks into my clinic, but if we can agree that it's something we can remove to test the idea that it's covering up other problems that really need to be dealt with. And it's preventing us from dealing with them. Then we can get a little bit of traction on going from that caustic four drinks a night to two drinks a night. And how did that, what did that do for your sleep? And how did you have a little bit more self-control with your family? Or did you feel some emotion that was uncomfortable to you? So we can start to experiment with that. Once we, once we start on that same page, that this is something that has been useful to you for one thing, but it's got consequences for others.
2: I was going to say, and 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 Lauren, you know, we you know we often talk about you know often the the most difficult first step is just reaching out for help. Was there something in particular? Did, were you encouraged by family members, colleagues, or was it just something where you said, "Hey, I, I need to get some help"? You heard about Andrew and then reached out to him. I'm I guess I'm kind of curious what went into that first step.
3: Yeah, so um, I I was on the phone um uh, with one of our union guys. And I was just kind of talking about, uh, some things that were going on and, and I can't remember exactly what it was that I said, but whatever I said caught his ear and he would not let me get off the phone (laughs) until we talked (laughs) about this and I kind of talked through it and I ended up in tears on the phone talking to him and, and he started explaining, you know, that there's, there's ways to, to fix these problems and he's been through it and he's um, had to deal with some of these same issues himself and uh, put me in touch with, with another guy in our department who handles this stuff. And that's how I learned about Andrew. Um, So yeah, that was kind of the moment right there. This guy recognized it from his own experience and reached out and grabbed me and said, Hey man, let's fix this. And Thank goodness, I listened to him and took his advice and took that step.
2: That's impressive. Yeah, I mean that's you know number one is because it sounds like you weren't necessarily reaching out to him for help. He just recognized it and acted on it. I mean that's
3: well, yeah, I didn't really know. I it. didn't really know how to to reach out. You know, I I I was I've been in the business of fixing everyone's problems. That's what I do. That's what I get paid for. Just like uh, Troy does, and so. In my mind, which is a, you know, a stupid way to think about it, but in my mind, I'm like, you know, I I can't afford to have a problem. I'm the one that that's out fixing people's problems. I don't, I don't have a problem. I can't afford that. You know, I I can't afford to take a month off of work and do all this kind of stuff. It's just, there's too many things and people dependent on me (laughs) and that's the wrong way to look at it, right? You need to focus on you or the rest of the people aren't going to matter pretty soon. Uh, but I didn't know how to, how to make that transition into focusing on me.
1: Andrew, um, that's a great point. I would like your insights on, so uh, reaching out sounds like it could be incredibly difficult for a man uh, to do or anybody to do this. What, what's your recommendations there?
0: Yeah, that's for, for men in particular, that's a complicated subject. Uh, the, the idea of, of asking for help. I, I think we've been handed a, a, in some ways, a pretty, a pretty miserable history from the from the men who raised us and the men who raised them. Just as a culture, uh, for expressing need and vulnerability, in particular, and that's that's a buzzword these days, but it's a really important word. Um, uh, and in in macho environments, uh, you know, hypermasculine environments like like the one that Lauren is immersed in. And, and there's a reason that it's like that, by the way, that, and that, that we could talk about if you wanted to Um, it's necessary in some ways to be that way. Um, uh, But, but, and, and people get a lot of support through that process of, of shared experience um, and, and telling morbid jokes and, you know, um, dead baby jokes are a way of dealing with, with seeing dead babies. And, and and paramedics see see this kind of stuff all the time, and it's really traumatic. Um, there's also a problem with being vulnerable with the ways that those things creep into your biology and into your into your psychological health, and and so I, I think I think the conversation for men is changing now, um, but we are not very good at at. Listen, hearing each other and, uh, and, and allowing each other to be vulnerable. And, and e- even saying it, I feel soft using that language and I'm a psychologist. For coming out
1: loud. <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren had another individual reach out to him, had that not happened and he wanted to seek help on his own, how would a, a guy go about doing that then? What's that first step? Is it to talk to your primary care physician? I think that's a good first step, Um,
0: although I think oftentimes um, medications are prescribed in those kinds of environments to deal with problems. And it's really a problem of uh, emotional processing that 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 isn't something that's real comfortable for a lot of guys. Um, So it needs it's something that needs to be talked about and through the process of 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 expression and talking about it. Something really important happens. Um, So primary care provider is a good place. I mean, some of the, some of the departments like Lawrence Department has, has a, um, someone trained and educated to, to go to with these kinds of issues. Um, peer support programs uh, exist in these kinds of places, but that, that doesn't deal with the individual men who might be listening to this who, who work from home, for example, who aren't immersed in a, in a community like that. So, so I don't know what the answer there is outside of talking to a physician or bringing it up to a spouse or um, starting to the conversation about uh, things aren't quite right here. For example, I feel lonely. That's something that a lot of, uh, of, of men are experiencing right now. We know it. Um, we know it based on the suicide rates that we see, for example.
2: And Lauren, I'm curious. Since meeting with Andrew and taking those initial steps, what's the process been like since then? I mean, have things gone pretty smoothly? Have there been setbacks? What What have you had to deal with since then?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I might be an extreme case with with the things that I had to fix, um, as far as you know, PTSD issues and stuff like that. That you know, may, I'm sure there's tons of guys out there with that stuff, but there there might not be some that relate. But I had to. I mean, I had to fully commit, I, and I wasn't super committed right off the bat. I was just going to go talk to Andrew and maybe, maybe uh, go through some sessions and see if we could work some things out, which is what I was doing. Um, but I realized after a while, we were trying to figure out. You know, maybe I need to go through, um, you know, intensive outpatient, you know, three times a week, and say stay working, stuff like that. And I, I finally came to the conclusion myself that if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm just going to check out for a while. I I had too much going on. I work and being a single dad and trying to keep up all those responsibilities and trying to work on myself just wasn't, wasn't a super good option for me. Um, And a lot of people don't have that, that option. But for me, I, I decided I just need to go check out somewhere and go work on me and me alone so we, I talked to Andrew about it and I picked a place and that's where I went. I just dove in head first. I, I was all in. Um, I wanted to fix, you know, the deeper seated issues, uh, than alcohol. And they don't they even talk about alcohol there. That's a symptom to them. And the, their goal is to fix all the underlying stuff that you, you have going on. And it's, it's whether it's, you know, PTSD stuff or childhood issues or abuse or rape. or I mean, there was a whole gamut of people uh, there. In fact, there was a there was plenty of people there that just made me feel like a weenie for even being there listening to their stories because they were so horrific. Um, so I sat there kind of thinking like, geez, I'm, I'm a wuss. But uh, anyway, I, I dove in and, and did it 100% the best I could. And, um, there, there's been, I, I, I met with Andrew after that. Let me back up. And, uh, I think, I think he even noticed there was a big change after a couple months of, of doing that 100%. Um, there's been some, some ups and downs since then. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I haven't drank at all since then. That's a, that would be a lie. Um, but every time I have it's 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 more of a reminder to me about why I don't want to be having that be a part of my life uh, very much because I got so used to feeling good all the time and being happy and positive and having energy and and you know just being able to do whatever whenever and so the that comes in and, and you feel like crap and you're like, geez, that's a good reminder of why I don't want to do that.
0: And Lauren, can I, the process you went through, you said, you said that you, you might be an extreme case and, and, um, I, I, I don't view it that way. I've, you know, the, the, it just depends how far down the rabbit hole your body is gone. Um, uh, in trying to cope with the trauma that you've been through or the, the anxiety that you're experiencing. And, and, and um, and so that's what you, your, the program that you needed was to drop out and to really focus on, on treating some of that under underlying stuff. But I think the work that we did, if I recall leading up to you choosing to go do that was really focused on Sort of you realizing that if you go down, if you don't take care of yourself, if you go down, a, a whole bunch of people will suffer. How important sort of you were to uh, to the sort of the, the center of a, of a network of people, you know, starting with your daughter and, and you know, moving to, to your parents and a whole bunch of people depending on you both emotionally and financially. And, and you had a hard time accepting that at first, but that's where you came to, I think.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I briefly touched on that earlier, just the, the whole, you know, I don't have time to go do all that stuff for myself, but, but you have to go do that stuff for yourself so you can do it for everybody else. And that's, that was the most important issue for sure. And we did a lot of work on that to get my head, in the right place to take that next step that I did for sure.
1: So as I'm listening to this conversation, now I'm feeling like the weenie because right. You go do some amazing things. You, you know, you're saving people's lives. You're seeing, you know, these traumatic things that I've never laid eyes on before, you know, and let's just say I'm in a situation where I'm a podcast guy, right? But yet maybe let's say I'm drinking too much, which I recognize as a symptom to some underlying problems. And maybe it's just stress at work. It's not like these traumatic things that happened in my childhood. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to if I was an individual like that, I'm trying to reconcile what I'm hearing here with whether or not I should feel strange about getting help or feel like I'm even weaker, which I would think would cause another rabbit hole.
3: Well, what I, what I kind of learned about myself and, and everybody in general is everybody's got stuff. I, I don't care who you are. You've got baggage from somewhere. And nobody, unless you're going through uh, school for it, as far as I know, ever goes through any sort of training program on how to cope with things in a healthy way. And so I've the majority of people out there aren't coping with things in a healthy way. And, you know, maybe white knuckling it or just getting by and, you know, whatever way they choose to do that, whether it be working out five hours a day or drinking too much or gambling or whatever, but everybody's got issues that they need to work on. And and, I mean, going through some sort of thing like I went through by the time I was done, I was like, man, everybody should do this kind of stuff because no one, no one has any idea how to handle all this stuff in a healthy way. <laughs> uh, it, it's like a set of tools we are never given. Yeah, absolutely,
1: priceless. It's like asking you to go fight a fire without water and a fire truck and and all the things you need. <laughs> exactly.
0: I, I think it's a rare, a rare situation um, from the generation of men that raised uh, you know the current working class, working force men, you know, everybody on this, in this conversation right now, I think it's a a bit of a rare thing to be, to be handed a, a set of tools as a male that isn't based on performing at your highest level all the time or else. And, 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 what it takes to do that sometimes is ignoring your aches and pains, whether those are emotional or physical. Um, and there's no question that it, it takes a tough person to provide for a family, for example, and, and, and go to work every day. And, and also, um, it it just, it takes a lot of ignoring hard things that are happening and that stuff can build up over time if we don't have a place to put it an outlet for it. And we haven't been given a really a very good, um, unless your unless your father was particularly, um, (laughs) insightful and actualized and, and it didn't happen for you because you come from the same generation that I did. Um, so, so we have to, we have to learn to, to teach each other how to do this a little bit better and, and to, to, to get a handle on how to how to ask for help in this in this culture that doesn't really have much interest at at the current moment in um, in the topic the kind of topics that were there aren't a lot of cultural forces um, in play right now that are that are that are male focused and and that's a problem.
1: This is an important conversation we should probably continue, um, but we're a little short on time at this point. So I wanted to get final thoughts from lauren pretend that you are speaking directly to somebody who is listening to this podcast because they were intrigued by the topic maybe recognize that uh they have a uh you know that their alcohol use is a symptom to a bigger problem Uh, what would you say to them
3: uh well there was a there's a lot i would say um i guess most importantly is number one you're not alone uh number two everybody's got problems that that need to be dealt with in a healthy way. And I guess those are the same thing, but, but if you're just trying to cut back on drinking or, or stopping drinking uh, and you think you can just do that by yourself, I, it's not, it's not likely. And unless you go and fix those issues that you have underneath it all, whatever it is, relationships, your, your past childhood, whatever it is, you got to fix that, or you're you're never going to fix the symptom.
1: Managing the stress that uh, you're under at that particular moment, or any of those things, Doctor Smith. Uh, your your last thoughts? I would I would say that w- we should
0: not be in the business of 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 determining if our pain is legitimate enough to go get some help for. That that the question we ought to be asking ourselves is not is this is this bad enough to get some help for the question is do i like this and do i like the way that my life is going do i like the way that i feel and if the answers to any of those questions are are i don't like them i don't like this then then there's something to be done about that
1: Dr. Madsen Well, I think, you know, the interesting thing
2: for me is we started this, you know, this episode talking about alcohol use. And really, it's been more about what are we doing? What are our deeper issues? And I think that's probably the larger point that Andrew and Lauren have really brought out here. It's not about the alcohol. It's just a coping strategy for the deeper issues that need to be addressed. And I so often see people in the emergency department who just they want to quit. They want to get off. They want to stop drinking. Um, and I, I recognize I don't really have the tools in that setting to address the deeper issues. There's so much more to this, and um, I think Lauren's experience is a great example of of taking the appropriate steps to to really address that. Where so it's you know it's fascinating to me that they weren't talking about alcohol; they were talking about the other issues, and that's what led to the success that he's had.
0: Yeah, and the pathway into alcohol in my mind is not through. Uh, it- is not through talking about it as a, you know, as the core problem, the pathway into it is talking about how it's, how it's, how it's messing things up, you know, how how you don't like the way it's making you feel or stealing your motivation or whatever. So you you could have a part two of this episode and we could talk about alcohol and its relationship with how it sort of tricks our reward system. Um,
1: So, and Lauren, did you notice any of those things that, uh, Dr. Smith mentioned, uh, as far as what alcohol was doing to you, how it made you feel?
3: Well, yeah, it's basically a a thief, right? It just kind of steals your joy and your motivation. And you, you think you're, uh, for instance, my, my mind will still trick me from time to time. It's easy to do. It's easy to fall back into that. Oh yeah. remember all that fun you had. Let's have, let's have some fun. Right. But (laughs) (laughs) then you start having fun and then you, you're like, Oh my God. That was stupid,
1: yeah, six hours of fun and two days of not well, fun yeah, it just
3: it steals all kinds of things away from you that when when you're not drinking, you realize, and you don't really realize it when you're in that game right when you're in that that uh, addiction you, you're not, you don't realize all the stuff that you're missing out on
0: it 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 kind of grays out the rest of the world so that you think that the only thing that makes you uh, feel um, whole and and like you're you're living your best life now um is you know is like a culture that's surrounded by alcohol like uh like i can only ski if i'm allowed to drink beer afterwards and if i can't drink beer afterwards then then was skiing even fun and so it really takes things that could be naturally rewarding and and kind of turns them into something else Uh, and, and that's a, that's a problem of motivation and and reward.
1: Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. First of all, Lauren, for sharing your story and, uh, Andrew Smith, Dr. Andrew Smith, thank you very much for being on the podcast and thank you for caring about men's health. Thanks for having me. Time for odds and ends. And we just have one item today. Nick Galley has been on our podcast a few times and he sent me an email and wanted me to share this service that he's a part of. Um, if you're dealing with some mental health issues or some emotional issues. Now, we talk about the core four plus one more, which is to be healthy now and in the future. You really just need to concern yourself with four things. We try to make it easy, right? Your physical activity, your nutrition, your sleep, your mental health, and also your genetics. So this is the mental health aspect. And this is a clinic that he told me about, which offers low cost counseling sessions by a telemedicine for $20 or less.
2: And that's a steal, Scott. You know, I, I, I've often thought about our episode we had with him and I've thought through a lot of things we talked through with him as I've been working and facing some of those scenarios where, you know, we talked about our performance and a lot of the pressure we face. I imagine for a lot of people, just having a couple sessions talking with Nick and his colleagues, uh, would be something that would definitely make a difference. I, I can say just the time we had with him made a difference for me.
1: That's right. So if it's stress or anxiety or depression or just any anything like that, if you lost a loved one or a job or have family problems, those can impact your mental health and they can impact your overall physical health. So it's great to be able to talk to somebody and get uh, some tools and a unique perspective. And that's what this particular service will do at that reduced rate fee. Because sometimes that can be a barrier of cost of $20 or less. You know, just
2: one thing worth pointing out, I'm sure if you're having more serious issues, severe depression, any thoughts of suicide, anything like that, I'm sure Nick would say, hey, be sure and talk to your doctor, talk to a psychiatrist, psychologist, but definitely those serious things. Be sure and talk to your doctor.
1: That's right. And we'll put a link, of course, to to that if that's something you're experiencing uh, as well as a link to get these reduced rate counseling fees for $20 or less. It might just be one telehealth consultation that you need. It could be a couple, you know, so whatever your situation is, cost shouldn't be a barrier. Uh, Make that consultation appointment. That is absolutely free. And you can find the link in the show notes. Time for just going to leave this here. It could be something to do with health. It could be just something we want to share. And I'm going to go ahead and start off. Just going to leave this here. Troy, I have a question for you. You own a lot of dogs. What are your dog's names? All, all of our dogs? Do I have to actually name
2: them all? <laughs> I mean, I guess we got time. <laughs> okay. Itty Bit. That is one dog. Those are not two dogs. Itty Bit is her name. We adopted her. Her owner passed away. Her name was Itty Bit. We kept the name. Charlotte, Sally, Abby, and Shady.
1: All right. We just got a brand new dog. His name is Murphy. Murphy. I know. Murphy's a beautiful dog. Murphy came with that name. We, my wife and I, wanted to name our next dog, Kevin. Kevin, because like normal human names, I mean, yeah, so that brings up the question. Why are some dog like Sally? That's totally cool for a dog name, right? That's that doesn't sound weird at all. But Kevin, Kevin is (laughs) not a dog name. I love it, but it's not a dog name. What is it that makes a dog name a dog name then? Why are some names okay and that is like totally makes sense. And some names are like, no, that's a human name. That's not a dog name. Y
2: on the end. If it ends with a Y sound, it's oh. often a dog name. Like Murphy, it sounds like a good dog name. Sally, Itty, Shady, Abby. All those I have names the exception.
1: The, I have the is. exception.
2: I have the exception to that rule. Oh, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Troy. Well, it has to have an E sound It has to have a Y on the end of it. Like yeah, but yeah, it has to kind of, like that E kind of sound on the end, like Abby. Okay. It's, it's kind of like that, kind of going up at the. That's my takeaway because hmm. I've had this exact same thought. I'm like, what is it that makes it a dog's name? But yeah, Kevin. But you could call him Kevy. You know, that would be his that's nickname, okay. is Kevy, All right. <laughs> and that would sound more like a dog name. That's that's my that's my rule of dog names. Of what makes a human name a dog name? It's the e sound on the end. Well, Scott, I'm just going to leave this here since we're talking about animals. You probably saw the video of the mountain lion. Did you see the video of the mountain lion? Oh, that was insane. Where that mountain that lion charged insane? that jogger. Yeah. No, ooh, you just, you, you fell right into this, Scott. Oh, what? One of, one okay. of my deepest fears is <laughs> that I will get attacked by a mountain lion. So since I saw this video, like I spent a lot of time with Charlotte, who I joke is my mountain lion bait on a leash in oh, the geez. back country. Right. And since seeing this video, it's funny how this plays into your subconscious. I, you know, she'll like dart towards something. I look, Oh, is that a mountain lion? Is that a mountain lion? I mean, it's one of these things, the statistical likelihood of getting attacked by a mountain lion is extremely low. I've never seen a mountain lion attack in the ER, but since watching this video, it's really, it's kind of gotten to me. Um, but, This is what I was going to ask you, Scott. I'm so glad you called that guy a jogger because my only request of you, Scott, is if I ever die in a mountain lion attack, please, please make sure the media reports do not refer to me as a jogger. (laughs) You're a runner. I am a runner. (laughs) Please, just give me that last shred of dignity. That's all I
1: ask. Please call me a runner, not a jogger. Time to say the things that you say at the end of podcasts, because we are at the end of ours. First of all, thank you for listening. That's a big one. And be sure to subscribe if you liked what you heard. We're on all the major podcast platforms. We'd
2: love to hear from you. You can, you can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Health. You can drop us an email at hello at scoperadio.com. Check out our website, whocaresmenshealth.com. And you can also call our listener line. Scott, what's that number? I don't know, Troy. What is it? 601-55-SCOPE.
1: Oh, he has it today. I got it.
2: I just heard Mitch say it, so that's
1: why I remembered it. 601-55-SCOPE. And leave a message there. You're going to get a recorded message. Leave a message for us. you got a question, a comment, uh, anything we talked about on the show, that would be awesome. We'd love to hear from you. We might play it on the show, too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring about men's health.